five seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's Carolina with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it! Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good! He's good! He's good! He's good! Unbelievable! Unreal! Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt. Bernard fields it at the 26, heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony back here with you guys, chilling out, talking some Tar Heel football here today. And of course, as we know, the team got back into spring camp yesterday, and we are talking to the Argyle Report, Sam Doughton, about everything that is going on with the team. And we had a couple of questions that we wanted to ask him. So, Sam, uh, first of all, I know, you know, you were talking to us, you know, it's been a little bit of a crazy time on campus. So, you know, just the vibe overall on campus, what, what is it like right now with spring football being back? And you got really a lot of energy around the team. And, and of course, the Tar Heels now heading to the NCAA tournament on the basketball court. Well, you know, I think safely to say that the, the student polls is entirely with the basketball team at the moment, but the football team's doing everything they can to grab a little bit of that momentum. I know Luke May was at practice yesterday. Mac Brown obviously was, I think, I believe he coached Luke's dad at some point in time with the UNC's football team. And so, you know, Luke at the, at the basketball press yesterday called Mac a family friend. And so, you know, Mac's doing everything he can to, to seize a little bit of that momentum brush up against the basketball program when he can. He's been out at halftime every home basketball game since then. Um, but in general, everyone's excited. You know, March is I said, March is the best time to be on campus at UNC, in my opinion. There's always a lot going on. Last year, obviously, it was a disappointment with the team going out the first weekend. But I think everyone here feels like the basketball team's got a really good chance to go far. Women's basketball team made it back to the tournament for the first time in, I believe, five years this year. Mm-hmm. So we got both teams in the NCAA tournament at the same time. Um, it's just really, really exciting, and you know, the, with the new football facility open, the football team's getting a little bit of that vibe too. Yeah, and of course, I mean, everything you know, I think revolves around the new energy that is around the team. I know you've been out there a few times to see them practice. Just what's the difference? Because we heard a little bit of this last year that they had a renewed energy, but it really just kind of seemed to fade as they got towards the season. What's different with this team? I mean, I said, well, one thing is I have not been out as practice as much as I would like to because their practices counteract directly with my schedule time. I need to, I'll need to contact Mac next semester and let him know what my class schedule is for practice time. Oh, there but, you go. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the general vibe around this team is there's just a renewed sense of confidence. I think Mac and his staff have a lot of confidence in what they've done. I think you look at their, you know, reputations and in particular he's brought back a lot of the old faces that's been on his staff in Texas and even back at, you know, as far back as North Carolina. They've had a lot of success with and I think these people 
really want to show they have a lot of success. I think the players know that they've had a lot of success and therefore have a lot of confidence in some of the changes the coaches are making and a willingness to work. And, I, you know, I don't think the personnel necessarily is there for some of the things they want to do right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's some sort of interesting aspect as far as effort, as far as, you know, wanting to do well. I think that's, you know, it's just a whole new vibe and a whole new uh, energy, like you said, energy around what they're doing, doing everything with a sense of purpose and knowing that whatever your old role is, you know, there's no guarantees with a whole new staff in, so you got to really prove yourself again. And I think a lot of people have embraced that. I think that's, you know, something fine adds a little bit of extra competition screen ball. And, I mean, you see it in the videos the football team puts out every day. There's a lot of competition, a lot of energy every single day. Well, one of the guys that you see in every single video is Brian Hess. You know, he's a guy that comes in as the strength and conditioning coach. You mentioned that really they don't have a lot of guys that maybe fit exactly what they need. But, you know, what, uh, maybe by just talking to the players or maybe something that you've seen, what is Brian Hess doing to try to get these guys, you know, in the right mindset and at least trying to aim them towards being able to fit in that system? But one thing Max said, Max said a lot about Hess's work is that Hess is really trying to train each individual position group to fit what a position group needs. You know, I think a lot of times when you get in strength and conditioning, there's a lot of you know, just general, build your body up and you know, make yourself strong. And, then, you know, and you're going to get value with that. But one thing this new staff's really emphasizing and one thing Hess is really emphasizing is training individual positions so that they are the strongest for what they need to do out in the football field. Training football players, not just training strong strong people. And I think that's I think that's something you're seeing. He's adding a lot more flexibility in there. I know he wants to really open up the weight room. I've heard that there's there's plans, at least preliminary talks to try to remodel it to make it more a bit more open concepts. So there's more space. Hess likes to do a lot of stretching exercises in, in between lifting and all that other stuff to sort of get, you know, a more dynamic build there, you know, a little more flexibility in, in the strength that the players have. You know, when, when you bulk up sometimes you can sort of reduce your flexibility and that can hurt other aspects on the field, particularly your speed. And so that that's something I think I mentioned there, you know, Matt Max wants to go fast with that air raid offense and he wants the defense to be able to compete with a lot of the spread offenses that are in college football now. And he needs some speed and he needs some flexibility to do that. And I'm I've been impressed with this Max ability. You know, he sort of comes in as an old old school coach and everyone's worried that he's gonna get try to coach football like it's two thousand nine again. But I really haven't seen that so far and I think this new staff really understands what college football's about now and what they need to do to get that team to the level where they can get there. And like and like you said, they're gonna need to recruit a little bit more to get maybe some right. some guys that better fit their concepts, but you know, for working with what they have now, they're doing a great job. Well, let's talk a little bit about the new defensive scheme. It's really a 3-4 base, but, you know, I was talking to Lee Pace uh, last week, and he kind of told me, you know, they are still going to go with a lot of slot corner looks. They're going to go with three cornerbacks, uh, five defensive backs most of the time. But, you know, from being out there, you know, what is the difference between this defense and the defense that we saw a year ago? I mean, how – I know there's going to be some different pass rushing techniques and stuff like that for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the biggest thing that we're, we're going to have to look out for is, you know, that they're, the one thing that they've been emphasizing is that the, you know, Jay Baven puts the best players on the field and uses them to the best of their ability. So you're going to, I think, you know, you're going to see different units that have a lot of strengths coming at you in different ways. I think the defensive line is still going to be one of the strongest units on the defense again this year. So they have the most talent returning, even if it doesn't exactly fit that 3-4 base you mentioned. But, you, you know, you might see some defensive ends come in standing up rather than, you know, in a three-point stance or something like that um, when they're, when they're making the pass rush there. Obviously, a lot of those five defensive back looks just come out of straight necessity of running against these spread offenses. 
But, you know, I think no, I think the multiple look is going to be interesting, particularly as you see, you know, sort of, you know, linebacker corps this week, particularly with Jonathan Smith being out of school this semester, um, you know, sort of trying to figure out, you know, what pieces fit there. They've lost a lot of talent at that position. Um, you know, figuring out who's going to fill in at safety positions and other things like that, who's going to come up on those sort of things. So I'm interested to see how the battles go down in there. And I think it's too early to really tell what's going to happen in those situations, but I think... You know, they're going to just try to see who the best personnel is and however the best best 11 fits on the field, that's who they're going to put out there. Well, you talked about some of those battles that will be going on in camp. I know on the defensive side there were a few that I looked at. What are some of the under-the-radar battles that you're really looking at throughout camp uh, that you think people should keep an eye on, maybe even extending over into the fall? And well, you know, Anthony, I'm, I'm an offensive guy, so I always like to look at the offensive side of the ball and see where things are going. And I'm really intrigued to see which running back comes out of, you know, the sort of mm-hmm. four-headed tandem that they, four-headed group they have right now in this new area offense. You know, Mac Brown keeps claiming that they're going to, you know, run the ball hard, and even even though they are running a lot of area concepts. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if, you know, someone who maybe has more of a reputation of the pass catcher, somebody like Jordan Brown, sort of steps up because, you know, it fits maybe more of their doing. You know, how does Antonio Williams fit in with sort of that spread concept? Does Devontae Williams get more of a run? Michael Carter, obviously, you know, is pretty versatile and can do a lot of different things. And so that's, I think, the most talented group coming back. That's the group I'm most intrigued to see on the field and most intrigued to see how Phil Longo uses them. I think another, maybe not so much under the radar, but one everyone needs to look out for is wide receiver. Obviously lost a lot of talent there. Anthony Ralph Williams, you know, the number one head for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they just moved Corey Bell over from cornerback to wide receiver because Mac Brown says, you know, we need, we need depth there. They're going to be running a lot of three-wide, four-wide concepts, and you need a lot of wide receivers to do that to keep people, you know, energized, keep people fresh. And so figuring out who those at least three, if not four guys, and where they put them on the field at a given time. You know, Spoke Corral is always going to be on the outside because he has that height. Are they going to stick him inside and even put someone faster on the outside? You know, so sort of, you know, matchups like that I think are very interesting heading forward. And, you know, on the defensive side, I think really the battles might be more for who's able to establish some depth. It seems like there are some good starters in place, but there are some defensive depth concerns. Um, you know, early on in camp, are, you know, is, is those con- are those concerns relevant, or do you feel like, you know, there are some guys that are really stepping up and might be able to ease those as we get closer to the season? You know, it's hard to tell in spring ball, particularly because a lot of the injuries that UNC is dealing with right now mm-hmm. are on the defensive side of the ball. So a lot of the players that you think would be providing some depth for those positions or might even potentially be starting just, you know, aren't even working out right now because because of who they've, who they've you know, just because of the upper extremity or lower extremity injuries that they have. I mean, I think that's just something they're just going to have to try to develop over the summer. I think depth really comes in the summer. You know, spring ball, I think, is where you really assess, you know, what, what your first 22 probably are. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and hopefully by the end of spring, you know, you've got, you know, 18 of those guys, you know, solidified, and then you got another four or five that you're going to have battles, you know, going in through summer camp to figure out. And then, you know, from there, you just get the depth and you get people, you know, the past will have, you know, had months of training rather than, you know, weeks of training to get the guys into the system he wants. And I think, you know, people embracing the opportunities ahead of them are going to be the biggest key there. You know, obviously everyone's intrigued on what Chaz Rath's going to do at linebacker. You know, he's bulked up a ton. I think that could be an interesting depth piece on the defensive side. Obviously, there's a lot of young cornerbacks that didn't really get a huge chance last year that I think could have a lot of varied movements with the sort of the changes they have in the secondary all across the field. But, you know, it's just something we're going to have to see. I think it's a little bit early to tell with any of these battles, particularly with the depth, because, you know, I think 
someone has a great summer working out, staying in class and doing summer classes and doing other things here, things can change very, very quickly. And so the last question, and then we'll get you out of here. And we, we have to ask about this because, you know, it's, it's been three off-seasons since we've really had, uh, you know, a time where we could talk about this comfortably because we, even though we did have a battle, we pretty much knew Mitch Trubisky was our guy and he locked it up in the spring. It's not going to happen again this year. Um, it's going to be the third straight year where it's probably going to extend over into the fall. But there are some people saying early on that there might be a little bit of separation. The redshirt freshman, both Cade Ford, and Jace Reuter really have looked pretty good. And some people are saying that Sam Howell early on is having a little bit of, you know, true freshman struggles, picking up some of the nuances of the offense and everything like that. Is that maybe what you're seeing? And right now, you know, I, I, I hate to do this, but, you know, if, if uh, someone turned your arm and said, hey, you got to give us your prediction for who's going to start on uh, August 31st right now, who would you go with? I mean, I would go with Cade Fortin because, you know, what I've been hearing is that Fortin has been excelling uh, at a slightly higher rate than both Reuter and, and particularly Hal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Mac has been particularly pleased with the play of, of any of them, if I'm being honest. I remember you said yesterday that you know, there's been way too many interceptions for his and Phil Luongo's, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> preference in the way their offense is. And, you know, that makes some sense. Air raids air raid's simple once you understand what you're dealing but you know it takes a while to understand how those concepts work together and so and 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 working some inexperienced receivers not running routes as crisply as you may have liked at that point you're going to have some miscommunications and so but i think fortin's just has the familiarity of being a you know the guy for you know even if it was two or three games last year and he has the arm talent that maybe ruder doesn't have or is probably a little bit better runner but you know when, when they're not going to need the quarterback to run the ball in this offense all that much you know, they're going to need somebody that's going to make quick decisions, it's going to be accurate, it's going to be able to stretch the field. And, you know, that fits Kay Fortin's profile. I think Hal's probably going to be in a little more versatile and probably will have, you know, the more overall talent. But he's got to learn the offense fast. And that's just tricky, even when you aren't early enrollee. And, you know, maybe in the summer it'll click for him, and then it'll be a lot closer competition. That's what I would hint that it probably happening. You know, I think, you know, <laughs> you, you can relate to Sam. You know, your first semester in college, you're just getting adjusted to you know, what classes are like, what it's like, you know, studying, what it's like taking tests and other things. And, you know, sometimes, particularly for student athletes, it can be a little tricky when you're trying to figure that all out altogether. So I'm not worried about Hal's progress. I think if you ask me if they had to start somebody right now, it'd be Cade Fortin, you know, with a little more experience right now, and I think it's showing. But it, there's still plenty of time. And I think that's the biggest emphasis I want to bring here is that there's plenty of time for all these battles to sort themselves out. And it's, you know, things can change very, very quickly over the summer months and even over spring ball. You know, we might be talking here on April 14th after spring game and have a totally different read of the situation. Right. So, you know, what does that say? Right. Yeah, exactly. And and you're, you're right about that. Uh, you know, I've, I've followed Sam for four years, uh, you know, when throughout high school and it, it's just going to take probably a little bit of time. You're right. Getting settled into the classes and everything. It's not the easiest thing. And believe it or not, folks, uh, the NCAA athlete life is not like the video that they put out the other day, which is just getting a ton of uh, a flag. Is that what is that what your college life is like? Or I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a. I mean, I mean, I play a club sport here at UNC, so I guess it's a little similar to that in that regard. And I think that was my favorite comment. I was somebody said this must be an intramural sport athlete. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean these these college athletes, they're you know waking up at five a.m. to go to a six a.m. lift, 
And then, you know, you know, in, in these situations, you know, Max, Max got practice from 9 to 11. So then I'll go to practice, and then they'll go to class, and then I'll come back and go to study hall. And then they all, you know, they'll get to home, and then they'll finally get a chance to get some dinner. And then they'll have to study some more, and then they'll go to sleep, and they'll wake up and lift again. And do it, do it just all over. And then, you know, in season, it's wake up, lift, go to class, get out of class, grab a quick bite to eat, um, team meetings, then you have practice, then you maybe, then you have mandatory study hall, then you know, might get a chance to get eat at some point. And so it's just, they, they never stop. They never stop. Right. And that video, you know, they're like, oh, we got time to go in the library and visit with friends. No, you don't. Your friends are your teammates. <laughs> and, and, that's that's all they have time for and you know it's by design and that's what they signed up for and i think a lot of them will tell you that they enjoy that grind but it's definitely not easy right right for sure for sure so uh hey sam thanks for stopping by and talking to us man giving us a little insight on spring camp uh, uh right now i think everybody's just excited about what the star Hill team can possibly do mm-hmm. uh come the fall and uh, we'll definitely be talking to you down the line it's great to have you back on yeah, absolutely. Before I leave, one thing I do want to mention is one under-the-radar thing I think is happening is that Mac is trying to get a lot of things done on, like, a facility side very, very quickly. I think he's trying to capture some of that excitement. He's mentioned he's wanting to remodel the locker rooms, add, you know, stuff like outlets to the players' lockers, as well as some sort of cooling system for their pads. You know, I mentioned, he, he, you know, there's rumors that he's going to try to put turf on Keen Stadium right. over the over over the summer, and so I think that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, obviously he's asking the Rams club for all this money, so he's not pulling money from anywhere else. And if you can get that money, you know, power to him, all for it. Um, but you know, I think I, I would caution people to wait and see how the team does. You know, it's it's easy to get hyped when they haven't played uh, you know a down competitive football yet about where things are going. And so, I don't know, I'm just interested to see, because I think he's got a lot of, you know, sort of the donor base on his side right now, and for good reason. I think he's generated a lot of excitement and shown a lot of enthusiasm and, you know, had a really good, particularly on the recruiting trail, for four or five months on the job. But, you know, something to keep an eye on, particularly, you know, after they just opened this really gorgeous, really great practice facility. And, you know, you know maybe UNC is going to start competing with some of these bigger schools in the facility game coming up back and, you know, keep the momentum going. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, he has been off to a fantastic start, as you mentioned, on the recruiting trail. Currently the 14th ranked class, according to 24-7 Sports in the 2020 class. And, you know, it seems like right now a lot of people are starting to take a little bit of a look at what he's doing there. Grandpa Mac, I think, is getting things going in the right direction. So, uh, yeah, Sam, hey, thanks for joining us, man. And uh, we will definitely have to talk to you down the line. Tell Tell everybody where they can follow you on social media in case they want to get more information. Absolutely. We'll say you can follow me at, uh, at SJ Doughton on Twitter. I'll be in Columbus this weekend. If you want to follow me and our photographer at Argyle Port, Alex Foreman, while we're covering, you know, the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, you know, it should be a great time. We'll even here, you know, bright and early on Friday morning, driving straight out there. And you see, thankfully, it's the late game. So we, obviously, I don't have to this class. So it's going to be a great time. And, you know, that'll be, that'll be where I am. And then I'll be catching in and out of football on Twitter every once in a while. Um, but yeah, at SJ Down, if you want to follow us at Argyle Report, at Argyle Report on Twitter as well. But Anthony, thanks as always for having me on. It's always been a blast. All right, man. Yeah, same to you. And uh, yeah, stay safe on your drive up there. And uh, yeah, thanks uh, for coming on and keeping us informed in this uh, in, so far in this spring. That's just so exciting for us. So. Absolutely, Anthony. Y'all have a great one. All right, you too, man.
All right, so Sam Downton of the Argyle Report. Want to thank him for stopping by with us here today to give you some information on the Tar Heels spring camp. And, of course, they will get going again tomorrow morning. You heard, as Sam said, they practice 9 to 11 in the mornings. So that is when tomorrow's practice will take place, and that will be the first of the final 11 practices of the season. The final practice of the season will be in Keenan Stadium on April 13th. That will be the spring game presented by Bojangles is going to be a huge event as Mac has talked about and so we hope that everybody is able to make it out there to see the Tar Heels in action. It should be a fantastic day with a look at the new offense, the new defense, and some of the fantastic position battles. So as always you guys can check out the blog on HeelToughBlog.com. It's got its own website now. You can check out the podcast on the website as well or if you want to listen through one of the normal podcasting websites. We got it on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com, the TuneIn app. It's all over the place. I mean, literally just about everybody has us now. So anywhere that you listen to podcasts is where you can find it. Also, head over to Medium.com. Check out the Roy's Boys blog. And you can check out, and the same locations as my podcast is on, the Roy's Boys podcast. All that stuff run by my buddy Josh Marlowe, who is usually with us. So once again, want to thank Sam for stopping by. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Ah!